of March 26th, 2021, um, which means that opening day is literally right around the corner. It's the last, well, I say it's the last Friday without baseball for a while, but they always bake in that additional off day, the day after opening day on the off chance that there's rain that bumps it back, which has happened pretty recently before as well. So um, not technically the last Friday without baseball uh, before the Cincinnati Reds really get into their 2021 season, but you get what I'm saying. Thursday, opening day, uh, it's next week, and the Reds are going to break camp in Goodyear, Arizona, head back east and host the St. Louis Cardinals um, soon, like literally in days. They are they're working their way towards that, uh, making their final roster decisions, kind of figuring out exactly how this entire team is going to be shaped, not just for opening day, but also in some of the residual decisions they make regarding the 40-man roster, who's going to be around, um, which veterans are kind of getting booted out of camp, how the injury situations are shaken out. So uh, with that in mind, we're going to yap about it for a bit. So welcome back to the Red Reporter Podcast. I'm Wick. I'm your host. Um, we're going to kind of dig into all of uh, all of those you know, somewhat administrative details about what opening day for the Cincinnati Reds is going to look like, um, but kind of how that has ripple effects down the road for what this Reds roster is going to look like, uh, you know, come May, come June, come July, and um, God forbid if they're actually in a playoff race uh, later on beyond that. So uh, joining me tonight to talk about those, we've got Brandon BK over in Cincinnati. Uh, BK, how you doing, man? And then what are your thoughts on uh, – uh, these Reds as we uh, kind of bump up onto uh, the the cusp of opening day. Doing well, man. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty exciting to uh, be here in Cincinnati and with opening day right around the corner. You know, it's uh, I think I think we're starting to kind of see the uh, anticipation build a little bit for just live baseball being back at the ballpark. You know. Uh, we actually have, you know, we've had some good weather. You know, we have the uh, the entertainment district that just opened right outside the ballpark. So, um, you know, you can you know, pregame at any number of places, like in the middle of the street now, which is which is pretty sweet. So it's just kind of and yeah, it's it feels like baseball season again, which is which is awesome. Yeah, I was going to ask a little bit specifically. Sorry to keep grinding on pause here for a minute, but w- what is it like in Cincinnati yeah. right now? What is it like relative to um, the the opening day that got canceled last year, and then the reopening day that wasn't really opening day that they couldn't do anything for? Um, there are going to be some fans allowed in the stands. There's going to be something akin, more so to the classic opening day than there was last year, but still nothing anywhere similar to what opening day in Cincinnati traditionally is. What's, what's the feel there? What, what, what's kind of uh, uh, the, the, the sense of how, um, how much a city that loves celebrating this is almost a holiday um, can really try to pull off right now. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that people are chopping at the bit to get, to get going with it. Um, and, you know, it's, it's it's interesting with the kind of where we are in the vaccinations here here in Cincinnati and specifically, but you know the region, you know, is starting to open up a lot as far as people getting getting their doses. You know, a lot of 
you know, most of the you know healthcare workers and, and teachers and those kind of occupations have already gotten both vaccinations. So, you know, I think, you know, people are just, you know, I think people are going to go crazy no matter what, even if they, they haven't had it yet. But, uh, you know, it's, it's, we're so close to, uh, to really being able to open up, um, you know, this, this part of the state. Um, so it's, it's, it's like, it's everything put together right now. So it's like, it's that plus all of the, you know, all of the businesses uh, right outside the ballpark on the banks where, you know, that had struggled over the past year, just with, without being able to, you know, have the same, the same business that they're used to. It's, it's really, I think a lot of people are excited to get that back going and get those, you know, businesses back in action and, um, you know, yeah, it's just, it's, it's opening, it's going to be opening day. It's not going to be the same as it was maybe two years ago where, you know, you had the parade and the huge crowds and, and all of the above, but it's going to be, it's going to be better than it was last year for sure, obviously. Um, and then, you know, I'm better than, I, I mean, I think that when it comes to the events that have happened locally here, it's like, there hasn't been any big events happening you know, since the pandemic started. So this is really going to be the first trial run of that. So I'm, right. I'm excited right. to, to see how it goes. I'm a little bit wary that, uh, you know, people are going to keep, keep, people are going to go crazy and do dumb things, but baseball um, fans. No, yeah. never. But right. <laughs> yeah. That would never happen with alcohol and baseball. <laughs> of course not. So, you know, it's, it, I'm, I'm, you know, wary of it, but I, I think it's, it's. I'm just excited for it to all get going and for us to have baseball back. Yeah, and, yeah. It's been a while. Yeah, no, I feel like right now that there's certainly still like a little bit of trepidation, uh, at least among most people, about how to go about a big celebration for opening day. But I think people are going to celebrate opening day, even if it's at home or just with family or with a friend or two. Uh, they're going to celebrate knowing yeah. that the 2021 season at some point is the light at the end of the tunnel and you will be able to get back to at least a sense of normalcy in terms of enjoying baseball in Cincinnati and enjoying the Reds. Assuming, of course, that they don't go one and four or one and eight (laughs) or three and 18 or trade everybody at the deadline and make it irrelevant before the season ever gets started. So grimy apologies. Derek Grimes has been sitting on mute over here in the corner. I I apologize for that as we, as we get kind of the landscape of what Cincinnati is like, but uh, what are your thoughts as opening day is kind of creeping up around the corner again? Yeah, man, I'm, 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 I think I mentioned this in the uh, uh, thread I put up was, uh, Wednesday or Thursday, whatever day that was. Um, I'm ready. I'm I'm ready for opening day. Um, I'm kind of over. I say this as somebody that's not really watched a lot of like spring training, but I'm I'm pretty much over the games that don't count. You know, like we got yeah. we've gotten we've gotten to the point. Like I know, like when pitchers and catchers report, and when when everybody gets into Arizona and Cactus League for the Reds at this point. Um, you know, we're all really excited about it. And then the first game's really exciting. And then they're like, oh yeah, there's games every day. And like that, but now we're to the point where we're like, all right, let, like let's ramp this up. You know, uh, uh, Joe Posnanski and Mike sure talk about on the podcast a lot about how like, this is like the biggest tease in the world when it comes yeah. to like, sports uh, and baseball. And it, it, we've gotten to that point where I'm just like, all right, like I'm over it. Like, let's do this for real now. But no, I'm, 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 
I was kind of taken aback a little bit uh, just because I've been kind of unplugged from I can't say that I'm um, as 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 a Reds fan and somebody that like participates on a Reds blog. I can't say that I'm unplugged as much as like a casual fan would be. But generally speaking, I think I've been a little more unplugged this year than I have uh, in any of the past five or six seasons. Um, but I was kind of taken aback to to see that you know as of yesterday, like we're a week away, and, I, and then I got really excited. And I'm like, yeah, like this is cool, you know. Um, but to your guys, but to your guys' point about like, um, festivities or whatever, you know, I'm here in Indianapolis and we are the center of attention last weekend as far as the sports world on March Madness. Sporting events, yeah. Yeah. You will be for the next month, probably a couple weeks. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I gotta say like both, I think like there's a lot of the good and the bad of what you were saying. Like, I think, I think from what I can tell, Indianapolis has done pretty well as far as like, yes, we can have sporting events in a, in a place like this. Now, that being said, there have been bars that have been closed down, <laughs> like, <laughs> like straight up, like yank their liquor, like the city of Indianapolis, like yank their liquor license because this is stuff that came out on social media uh, with, you know, people not masking and packed into the bars, watching the game, celebrating, like being, you know, kind of drunk assholes, you know. Um, being like usual. Yeah. 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 The city of Indianapolis, <laughs> liquor license, they cited some people. So, you know, I mean, which is good to see. I mean, if people aren't acting responsibly, that's what should happen. But you know, you hate that that has to happen, but that's where we are on, you know, month 13 or whatever, but, uh, that's not here nor there, but I think, uh, it shows that like you, like BK was saying, uh, I, I, I think if the city, of Cincinnati is ready to do it. Uh, they can, they can pull it off. They can pull off opening day, opening weekend. The whole, I mean, the whole Thursday, Friday, yeah, Saturday, Sunday, man, it's going to be a whole thing. Uh, I think they can yeah. do it. Yeah. And yeah I, I, Thursday. Yeah. Thursday is going to be wild here for sure. Saturday, maybe a little less so. And then Sunday kind of will taper out a little bit, but yeah, it's, it, it is going to be, off the chain. I'm, I'm so excited. Yeah, 100%. And let's be honest, you know, it's it's Reds fans, it's Cincinnati, it's opening day, no doubt about it, but they're playing the Cardinals. You know, it's a it's a classic <laughs> classic rivalry and um there I'm interested to see obviously as much as 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 Cincinnati opens up and kind of uh and you know, uh does opening day the best that they possibly can under the circumstances this year. I'm interested to see how many fans begin to start traveling as well. You know, uh, if ever there was a fan base that has been sitting on their hands, anxiously awaiting the chance to go travel to cities and see baseball games again, it's probably the Cardinals fans. You know, they, they always, always travel incredibly well. Um, and it's one of those uh, road trips that, that, you know, diehard fans of the Cardinals have made, time and time again to come to Cincinnati to see the the Reds and Cardinals play. So I'm interested to see how much that begins to kind of leak back in because um, it's a huge part of the economy of Cincinnati. It's a huge part of how baseball does things. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm as, as, um, uh, as anxious um, and as intrigued as anyone to see exactly how this goes off because um, they've never done pandemic year two baseball before and they're gonna basically just jump right into it and figure it out so um but yeah that's that's yeah. thursday that 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 that's where we are that yeah. is literally thursday that's, that's this is this week 
One one last thought on opening day. So if anyone out there listening has a, a beat on opening day tickets, definitely hit me up. Yeah, uh, there you go. You can find me on Twitter or uh, on Red Reporter. Just uh, you know, shoot me a message, shoot me an email or something. Uh, it seems to be the hardest ticket in town to get right now. Yeah, um, yeah. I I do not. I I'm like I don't think I know anyone who has successfully got a ticket yet. Um, it's just even. You know, I, I'd like, I don't even know if I'm, I would feel comfortable going and being in a stadium right now, but. But the concept, like, the, the idea that yeah, you could. The concept of getting the ticket to go to opening day is just irresistible still, even in this year. It's up, there's something therapeutic about knowing that it's actually attainable at this point also, you know, so. Yeah, uh, it's out there. How many yeah. people are they letting in? It's uh, 10, 12,000? I think, I yeah. Think it was something like 12,000. Yeah. Which, which some, yeah, let's see if we can find it. Which is what, that's what? That's a little over, that's roughly uh, like 18% capacity for Great American, which um, I'm trying not too hard to think back about the uh, <laughs> the 2014 to 2018, 19 Reds. But um, I think you could probably find pretty. Yeah. Pretty good number of the 81 games a season uh, during those years that they didn't have more than 12,000 fans. And that's what I was going to say. It's, so. Yeah, a it's typical a, April so game, I think, is what we're saying. 30 percent capacity, which is 12,900 people. So, right on. Yeah, they even even in 2019, most uh, I would say most of the you know weeknight games in you know during the school year for sure. We're not getting that many, many people in the door. So no, there were definitely that's, games. That's what it would be like. There were definitely games in April of nineteen, and I seem to remember April of nineteen being particularly cold as well. It was, yeah. But there yeah. was, I mean, it was as empty as a, like of a stadium that I can ever remember seeing. Of course, they went like 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 Wick mentioned. They went one and eight or whatever. <laughs> so, like, I mean, by you know the second week, people were like, "Well, you know, fuck this. Like, this is stupid. Yeah. I'm not going to go sit in 35 degree weather to watch a shitty team." Yeah, why watch Jared Dietrich hit copious amounts of home runs against the Pirates in 38 degree weather? Yeah. Um, well, how about this? Here's a segue. Um, how can the Reds make sure they get off to a better start this year to make any of this relevant beyond just Thursday? Um, <laughs> we look up at what they've done all off season and the answer is they didn't do anything. Um, we look up at kind of where they stand in camp right now. And there's a, a handful of pretty important injuries going on. Um, pretty sure that Sonny Gray and Shogo Akiyama are definitely out for opening day. Shogo probably maybe a week behind Sonny. Sonny probably a week to week and a half uh, from being ready after opening day. Guys like Michael Lorenzen, TJ Antone, still somewhat question marks. Um, Amir Garrett looks like he's fine, thankfully. He's been striking out literally every person he's faced so far this spring. Lucas Sims has worked his way back. Joey Votto got back in the lineup today. But as the last 30 seconds have basically intimated, that's a large portion of what's supposed to be part of the 26-man roster that I've just been rattling off injury issues about. Um, uh, what are your thoughts on where this roster sits as opening day looms and how the Reds are going to manage um, that number of fortunately, knock on wood, serious injuries, but injuries that are going to cost them some time, all in the context of the fact that they've gotten off to such god-awful starts uh, each of the last few years. Um, 
Grimey, what are your thoughts on that, man? Yeah, no, I, I think it's troubling. And um, just because, and, and you know, each year really should technically stand alone, I guess, right? But like when you start putting it into a pattern of being an issue, it's something that you got to think about. And then it's like though all those names that you rattled off are pretty important names. Like, you know what I mean? Like we're not talking about like Sal Romano, like, Oh, he's not going to, he's not going to break through. You know, he's not going to break with the team because he's injured. Okay. Well, nobody Mac, cares, right? Mac, like, Mac Schrock, Mac Schrock has a calf injury too. So right. I love that. Yeah. Right. Right. And that's, it's, you know, that, you know, I'm sorry to hear that for him, you know, <laughs> but, uh, you know, that's not probably going to move the needle too much. But, like, when you are when you start rattling off, like, Sonny Gray, Michael Lorenzen, TJ Antone, Joey Votto, Shogakiyama, like, these are guys that we would have expected to play large roles in different ways for the 2021 Reds. And if those guys aren't ready and or even if they are ready but they haven't gotten the time to ramp up through the spring training session, that's troubling. I mean, that's really troubling. And – I feel really bad for Joey Votto. Like um, I just, I, I listened to, he was, he was back on the Jim day podcast again. Um, and I know it's, it's a, <laughs> it's a shtick or maybe even a meme at this point of ours uh, to kind of rag on Jim day and for good reason, but his podcast guests are, and in general, he has oh, great access, <laughs> really good. It's really good. And the two times that Joey's been on there in spring training, have been phenomenal. And he, and Joey was talking about on, on Jim day's podcast that he was really looking forward to having a good, um, spring training. Uh, he wanted to get like, he was kind of making it an emphasis. And then of course, like literally the next day after I listened to it, he got the COVID diagnosis. And then like, he just now got back into the, to the lineup. So of course that pretty much zapped his entire spring training. So, you know, it, it's a thing like uh, the, with them having a history of getting off to such poor starts and then generally playing pretty well. Like if you go back to 2019, like they played really well f- throughout the summer. I mean, they, I think they ended poorly in 2019. Um, and then of course in 2020, they played poorly to begin with and then a great stretch yeah and and then obviously like got hot there at the end and stuff uh who knows what was happening in 162 games or whatever but um so, so yeah it's troubling and then uh, i think was 2018 their start pretty much got brian price fired so you know it's a it's a thing and with you know when you start rattling off all the injuries of all the key players and like 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 I said if even if they are ready are they real like if if they're ready as far as health wise to play are they actually ready and that's troubling yeah yeah it absolutely is and you look up at some of like the particular people that are injured <clears throat> guys like Michael Lorenzen Sonny Gray TJ Antone you know the the Reds entire offseason premise was Okay, we're going to let Trevor Bauer and Anthony Scafani go and Rysel Iglesias and Archie Bradley go. We're going to we're going to promote from within. And that's who's going to backfill these huge losses that the Reds faced this entire winter of their own doing because they didn't want to pay most of them. Um but you look up and some of the guys that were the most promising last year um were the ones that were hoping to kind of step into those big big voids and suddenly you've got 
some question marks with a lot of those guys towards the back end of the rotation, um, which was already a spot of need because of the fact that they didn't address it last winter. Um, BK, what are you thinking about, man? Well, what are your thoughts on how this pitching staff particularly, because I think that's kind of the, the bigger spot where these injuries are impacting, how the Reds can kind of begin to manage that. And if it's legitimately a serious issue uh, for those first couple weeks of the season, because in hindsight, obviously, the Reds have gotten off to such crap starts so often. And sorry to interrupt before yeah. I even let you get a chance to talk. <laughs> uh, the Reds won today 7-3, to but until today – and maybe even after today, because I haven't checked, they had the worst record of any spring training team out there. So it's not like they're even like rolling into spring training uh, guns blazing uh, aside from that, because they, <laughs> they they still have a lot of question marks there too. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely a concern for sure. I mean, especially when you look at the offense and how it's kind of – how it started the last handful of seasons – you know, not really just last season with COVID, but, you know, you have Joey Votto, who's kind of, who's always kind of been a notoriously slow, slow starter, but then will kind of pick it back up in the summer. You know, Eugenio Suarez kind of does the same thing. And then all of the new additions from last year really didn't get going, you know, early on. And, you know, if you talk about Shogo Akiyama never really did get going. And then, you know, so you, you know, when you look at, what you would expect from the offense right now, I think the Reds are really going to be relying more heavily on the pitching staff to kind of set the tone for the season. You know, they're going to have to really just kind of, you know, lock down games and make them, make them close and keep them, keep them in games to start. But then you see all the injury issues and that's, you know, that's where all, that's where the injuries are going to be most effective. So I, I think that they really do need – they need somebody who isn't one of those, you know, Sonny Gray, Michael Lorenzen, TJ Antones. They need somebody who's not there to, in that list to step up. You know, I think the back of the bullpen looks like it's in pretty good shape right now, um, you know, knock on wood, with uh, with Amir Garrett kind of closing things out and Lucas Sims and, and Sean Doolittle. Sean Doolittle looked pretty pretty good in his last start much better than what we've seen so far um, in spring from him. So, you know, I think the back end of the bullpen is going to be fine, you know, but, you know, I think they're going to need six innings out of Tyler Malley every time, you know, in April, every time he starts in April, Um, you know, the, you know, Jeff Hoffman's of the world. And, um, you know, those types of guys who are, out of options, could pitch in the bullpen, could, you know, they're going to be taking a lot more of a role here early on with these injuries. And these are the guys that I think need to really step up and, you know, make their, make their mark on, on this season in a hurry. And I I think that that's a lot to ask, but I I think for the Reds to get off to the start that, you know, they're going to need to, carry the National League Central, that's what they're gonna to need to do. And yeah. it's it's tricky. Yeah, no, absolutely. I I the way I kind of found myself describing the Reds pitching staff uh the other day was, you know, assuming none of these injuries linger and none of the injuries knock on wood right now look to be structural or serious. But what you're gonna end up having is you're gonna have Luis Castillo, Sonny Gray, and Tyler Malley 
pretty much leading the starting staff. You're going to have Amir Garrett. You're hoping to have Lucas Sims. All points significantly look like Lucas Sims is going to be just fine. And Sean Doolittle kind of backing up the back into the bullpen. Um, your number four and five starters in the first five spots in the bullpen are going to be manned by Kyle Bodie and Derek Johnson. Pretty much, you know, like that's that's what the Reds have leaned into. You look up at what they paid Trevor Bauer and Di Scalfani and Archie Bradley and Rysel Iglesias last year, and not technically what they paid him because it was prorated 2020 salaries. But you look at what those players were owed because of the open market. That's uh, rough math, uh, about $37 million worth of payroll to four pitchers the Reds let walk, and they signed Sean Doolittle for a million and a half bucks. And that's it. The rest is find guys who can replace that production that haven't warranted that kind of payroll because of how they've pitched throughout the course of their career and lean heavily into the development system and the coaching staff that the Reds currently have in place. And that's how the Reds are going to fill out the rest of the rotation and the rest of their bullpen. It's guys like Jose De Leon. It's guys like TJ Antone who emerged last year and was fantastic despite being overlooked by everybody present parties included significantly in me. I had no idea TJ Antone was going to emerge the way he did. Um, Can Jeff Hoffman, do that this year, despite having never done it before in his career. Can Siono Perez do that this year, uh, despite you know coming in with all the promise in the world to a Houston organization that basically let him go? Um, the Reds are leaning very, very heavily into uh, their their developmental system, which is something that, especially on the pitching side, I'm not sure we've ever really been able to say has been either a strength or a goal. Uh, of this Reds organization because they've always been a bat first organization. Um, it's a, it's a tremendous lean in that regard. And uh, you know, it's, you, you added to that, that you're taking Michael Lorenzen out of the bullpen and putting him into the rotation. Can he make that jump? It's, it's a lot of question marks, uh, probably more than they would admit they wanted to have at this point of the season. Um, but the one thing that I do look towards is that they do have enough off days to start the season that in theory, if you kind of break it down and look at the math, they won't really need a quote unquote fifth starter or five full-time starters until about the almost the fourth week of the season. Um, So what's going to be interesting to see is a, who comes back healthiest first Uh, guys like Anton and guys like uh, Michael Lorenzen that aren't necessarily out for opening day, but haven't been able to build up the strength of their arm to maybe get to a hundred pitches, how they integrate those two back into this entire mix. Um, especially when you look up and say, Hey, there's no triple a season. So they can't even option these guys down or send them on rehab assignments to kind of build their earnings back up. They're going to have to do it at the big league level or do it at the alternate site against non-traditional, um, you know, game circumstances. It's a, uh, it's a big ask. It certainly is. But um, I guess kind of to segue away from that, uh, what we did learn this past week is that fortunately Jose de Leon and Siono Perez have an option again for the 2021 season. I say fortunately, perhaps not necessarily for the player side, because if you don't have an option, you can't be sent to the minors. You're going to get big league pay. You just also might have a chance to be exposed to waivers and start the whole transition process into other organizations. Anyway, um, if the Reds are going to lean heavily into kind of churning pitchers to get the innings they need with a lot of unproven arms in camp, 
finding out those two guys have an option is a very big boon uh, for Nick Crawl and his ability to kind of move guys back and forth and fill in those innings. Um, what we also found out was is that Aristides Aquino doesn't have an option for the 2021 season. Um, so he's an out-of-option guy that kind of, as we look at how this opening name roster is going to kind of build itself, um, Aquino looks like he might be a guy that might get squeezed because of that or might end up benefiting from the fact that they can't sit him down and don't want to lose him. Um, the last few bench bats, as we look at how this roster is shaping up, is one of the last few real kind of uh, conundrums the Reds are facing. Um, BK, what do you think uh, Aquino's, I guess, short-term and long-term goals are still within this organization? And how do you think that lack of an option kind of uh, creates the scenario for him uh, come opening day? Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think it's tricky for for Nick Crawl to kind of figure out what to do with him. Um, you know, obviously, Aquino's talented. He's, you know, he has the big league experience. He's had success, you know, at a very, very small sample size. But um, when you look at, at the Reds, I mean, they're not going to have a place to play him every day um, to start the season that, it is pretty much set in stone. I think that, you know, Winker, uh, Senzel and Castellanos are, are going to be your, your three starting outfielders. You don't have the DH this year. Um, but one thing that does kind of play into that is that, you know, Shogo Akiyama is, uh, probably going to start the season on the DL or the IL. So there may be that active roster spot that where they can kind of, put him to start the year. I think that he probably does break camp with the team unless they find, you know, a suitor before that, you know, I think, you know, his value, you know, obviously his value isn't what it was, you know, two years ago or three years ago, but his, his value now compared to a month from now, when if, you know, if Shogo Akiyama is healthy and needs to be put back on the roster, you know, I, I think if you're Nick Crawl, you're looking to get what you can for Aquino now, knowing that you're going to have to, you know, there's a pretty good chance that he's going to be squeezed out at some point, you know, unless, you know, maybe he'll, he'll go on a tear in April and, you know, David Bell won't be able to take him out of the lineup and that, that'd be fine and dandy. I think everyone would be thrilled about that, but um, you know, I think, you know, when you have a, a guy like that where you don't have that option, you have to get to make the most of that asset while you can. And, um, you know, it's, it's not an enviable, enviable position for, uh, for Nick Crawl and company to be in. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you look up and, you know, it's, it's the constant battle between the 26-man roster and the 40-man roster. You want to have the best available options today, but not at the expense of not having the options you need down the road. And, um, options. That's that's the key word. And if Aquino doesn't have them, um, trying to keep him within the organization and not expose him to waivers uh, for the the rest of baseball, of which there would almost assuredly be somebody who'd say, "Hey, he's shown me enough that I can fix him. He hit seventy four home runs in August of twenty nineteen. We we can tap that somehow, some way." Um, with Aquino specifically. And to kind of uh, loop in some of the news of the day, uh, the Reds released D. Strange Gordon today. Um, and he was a guy who I thought 
given some of the rules and modifications about not having a DH and going back to traditional National League play and, you know, multiple player switches and double switches and ver- player versatility and the rule about extra innings and the ability to start a guy on second base. I thought D might've had a chance to be that 26 man on the roster losing him though, basically says, look, you look at the rest of the infield options the Reds have in camp. It almost assures that Kyle Farmer and probably Alex Blandino who has earned it, even if he doesn't get the spot are going to be the backup infielders. Um, with Shogo out, if you use Aristides Aquino as your additional bench bat outfielder, and you look up at Tyler Stevenson probably being on the bench more often than not with Tucker Barnhart at the catcher, that's four right-handed bats. That's no lefty on the bench at all. Um, and is with D. Strange Gordon having hit left-handed, not being around either, anymore either, you almost wonder if the Reds are going to lean more towards a guy like Mark Payton or Tyler Naquin, non-roster invitee, but former first-round pick, who brings a left-handed bat off the bench until Shogo gets back. I wonder if that puts Aquino a little bit in the roster uh, 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 precarious position at that point. Um, Grimey, what are your thoughts on Aquino and how uh, these uh, these bench bat spots are kind of shaken out as we get closer to opening day? Yeah, um, so we were actually, uh, the three of us and, and, and more of us uh, in the Slack channel, I think yesterday we were talking about Aquino um, and how his August 2019 was some must-see television for the Reds. Maybe maybe some of the most, most uh, must-see television for the Reds in years, right? And so for that, I, I'll always be grateful. I'm honestly not going to lose a lot of sleep about Aquino. Like I, I know when it comes to like ro- roster roster construction and and you know like obviously they don't want to just give him away for free, and so him not having an option is troublesome as far as that goes. But like I'm not all that worried about if they have to go that route at some point, I, I do think he'll make the opening day roster just because of the Shogo injury. Um, if they end up having to option him or I'm sorry, if they end up having to release him, uh, expose him to waivers, um, I'm not all that worried about him going somewhere else and like becoming a star. Uh, and, you know, and that's just my personal belief. Like, I'm not going to lose a lot of sleep about a keynote situation. You know, like, I might I I wouldn't have lost a lot of sleep about like Jose De Leon either, but like I'm I'm more heartened, I guess, from the Reds perspective that he's got an option because I, I really think there is a lot of potential still to be unlocked there. Um I think we've pretty much seen what we've seen from Aquino. Like he did his thing. Uh I think the league adjusted and uh and I, he, I think he has had a good spring. Good. Sorry to interrupt, but he, he has at least had a good spring. So he's got that aspect going for him. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, and like I said, I, I like him a lot. Um, and if we, if we, uh, like, it was like what uh, I think BK said, like, if he just, you know, you know, hits so well in April in this time, like I said, I think he's going to make the team. So, like, if he hits so well in April in the time period between, opening day and when Shogo comes back that David Bell can't take him out of the lineup, then, then that's a great problem to have. It's an awesome point. problem. Yeah. Yeah. I just don't really expect that to happen. I don't know. I'm, I'm being negative, I guess. And I don't really want to be negative this close to opening day because I do really think that the, <laughs> I, I do think the Reds have 
the players, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm more optimistic. I'm always more optimistic about the Reds roster at this point in the season than a lot of people, but um, Aquino's just not somebody that I'm losing a lot of sleep about. Like obviously him having an option would be better for the Reds perspective. Him not having an option is probably better. Like you said, better for him because if they do have to get rid of him or if they do have to try to, you know, expose him to waivers, they're, absolutely is somebody that's going to take him and you know he gets to spend some time on a major league roster so that's good and i'd be remiss if i failed to mention that he had been on the 40-man roster at one point before in his professional career and got removed from the 40-man roster because he was playing so poorly in double a cleared waivers stuck with the reds organization after clearing waivers and then got bumped back up onto the 40-man roster before going nuts in 2019. So um, other teams <laughs> have had the chance to get Aristides Aquino before. Uh, the Reds have exposed him to being lost before, and we're still in this situation today. Yeah, I mean, it, it's but then again, that's before the, you know, he had that that month where he was just hitting the cover off the ball every, every at-bat and uh, really kind of broke out. You know, I think that when it when it comes down to it, I think, you know, what, what Grimey touched on as far as, you know, I, I don't think the the Reds have a spot where they can play him every day. And I think that that's like that to me is the biggest kind of reason not to keep him on the roster because he's very like from what we've seen from him, he seems like a very consistent type where he if he's in the lineup every day, he's going to produce for you. If you know you have him playing twice a week and then pinch hitting, you you might not get you know what you, you might could get be getting yeah. from him out of yeah. I mean you're you're ba- you're you're shooting yourself in the foot when you start in those two days because he's just so rusty and you know not not playing every day. So you know, and I think the Reds are just they're they are very unlucky in that they don't have the DH. So, you know, they, they can't put Jesse Winker in the DH spot and then have Aquino, you know, play one of the corners. So it's, you know, it's, it's an unfortunate circumstance, obviously, you know, if there is an injury to any of those guys in the next week, I think, you know, Aquino's a starter for the Reds, you know, to start the season and, you know, we'll see what happens, but you know, it's just it it is definitely a numbers thing, which is never is never fun. It's not, and it's That's it's not what it, you want to see. It's one of those aspects of it's the business of baseball. Um, you know, you can only keep a guy so long before you've got to give him the opportunity to succeed elsewhere. Um, another segue here: um, <laughs> when you talk about a numbers game and you talk about uh, the business of baseball. Um, the Cincinnati Reds are and always have been, shall we say, uh, frugal. It's what we saw all offseason. Uh, they spent big on free agency for the first time in all of our adult lives, all of our entire lives, honestly, one year ago, and then just immediately backtracked and spending this winter. Um, Bob Castellini, the owner, has you know gone on record recently uh, with the Cincinnati Inquirer about some of those decisions and about how he operates the Reds as a business. Um, sacrificing any long-term financial gain is not something they've ever really been willing to do. But we look at 
some optimism for opening day, especially in the context of how crappy the Reds have gotten off to start-wise the last couple of years. Um, it looks like they're going to put 24-year-old prospect, former first-round draft pick, former top-five overall draft pick, Jonathan India, not only on the roster, but probably in the starting lineup at second base, the first play of the game, the first pitch of opening day. Um, they're not going to try to manipulate service time. They're not going to try to kick that can down the road. Uh, they're not going to do to him what they did with Nick Senzel two years ago. Um, it looks like Jonathan India is going to be the Reds' second baseman. The news about D. Strange Gordon today pretty much catapulted that news forward. Um, I look up at what India has done this spring. Numbers aside, he just looks the part of a guy who's ready, a guy who is more the guy that got you know, his draft status rocketed up by his phenomenal junior season at the University of Florida and less like the guy they kind of battled injuries and battled bad hitting and good pitching environments through the minors his first two years. And is a guy who looks pretty poised to be a big part of these 2021 Reds, not just down the road, but from the start. Um, what are your thoughts on what you've seen from Jonathan India so far this spring and what the Reds willingness to kind of say, Hey, He's ready. We're just going to roll him out there and we're not going to manipulate service time like we do with everybody else, which is certainly a change of pace from what these Reds have done so frugally elsewhere. Uh, Grimey, you want to go first on that one? Yeah. Yeah. I want to talk about India a little bit. Um, no, I think it's great. Um, I never, like, it's what you were talking about. There were some, uh, some hitting environments that he was at back in 2019 that weren't favorable. Like, I think, like, if people would have, you know, dug into the numbers a little bit. Like, uh, I think he was at, was he at Chattanooga? I think, uh, part of that time. Yeah. Like, they turned in Chattanooga both. Yeah. Yeah. And then they're just not good places to put up like huge, like numbers. Like if you're just going to like glance at the numbers and be like, Oh, this guy sucks. Well, yeah, no, not really. Like, you know, those places are just hard to hit. Um, so like that's encouraging. And I, he has some issues with injuries. Um, I think he left the uh, Arizona Fall League early due to injury. I'm pretty sure he was playing pretty poorly. So it's always weird, like, you know, to try to discern whether or not, like, uh, okay, like, is he quote unquote hurt or is he actually hurt? You know, Um, is he playing bad and just like, I'm going to get out of here, you know? Um, But he played pretty poorly in the Fall League. And, um, but. from all accounts, of course, you know, nobody got to see it, but from all accounts, he played really well at Prasco last year, um, getting through all of that. And now he's, you know, here, I don't know. Like he kind of seems like he's gotten that top, uh, as far I mean, he was never really a quote unquote, like top prospect as far as like MLB goes, but he was a top prospect in the red system. And now he's back here doing what he's doing uh, this spring. And it's interesting to see them do, um, it seems like they're going to put him on the opening day roster. Right. Um, which they would not have, they did not obviously did not do with Sinzel. And of course there were some injury issues there that kind of gave him some cover, but, um, it's also interesting to note that this is the last year of the CBA, right? So maybe they're making the calculated effort that, 
we don't need to manipulate service time because the service time stuff is all going to be recalculated in the winter and it doesn't, it's not going to matter. So all we're going to just make our team bad and it's not going to come out to an extra year at the end because this stuff is going to be different next year. Right. So um, I'm really impressed with what he's doing. I'm really impressed with his hair. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I'm really impressed with, I, I, I'm really impressed, you know, like, like, like you said, what they, the moves that they've made, they're not, they haven't come out and said it yet, but the moves that they made kind of seems like <laughs> that this is what's going to happen. And, uh, that's great. Uh, it's still really weird to me thinking about a, a Eugenio Suarez at this point in time in his career <laughs> playing shortstop, which I mean, that's probably a whole another. That's probably a whole podcast episode. But. It, it is, but it's also like it, that's that's very much a part of this, also, which is that they felt <laughs> comfortable enough moving, literally the entire info. I mean, we look up at March fifteenth of this year. The entire info was: we have no idea if Joey Votto is going to be healthy for opening day. We're going to take our third baseman and move him to shortstop, our second baseman and move him to third base, and then maybe we'll go with this rookie who's never played in AAA before. Like that. That was. That was the Reds infield on March 15th. And fortunately, because of the fact that I think India has played as well as he has, it looked just – it's not like it's like he's, he's making, uh, you know, outlandish plays all over the place that you have no idea if they will, they will continue to – he's making all the routine plays. He's taking good at bats. He's doing solid things all across the board. It's almost as if he was the reason why the front office and David Bell – we're comfortable moving everything else around, you know? Um, Gino had to lose 15 pounds to get into the shortstop discussion. Votto, we're still finding out if he's even going to be there for opening day. India, if anything, has been the constant there, which is kind of funny to think about. Um, but, yeah, it's certainly certainly a departure from uh, all things and all methods these Reds have adopted over the last 15, 20 years. Um BK, what do you think, man? What, what, what's what? What are we getting yeah. in Johnny India? Are we actually getting somebody who looks to be as good as he's been so far this spring? I mean, it, it from what we've seen so far, it sure as heck seems like it, doesn't it? I mean, uh, just you know, I think uh, something to me that speaks volumes about you know his readiness is the that a lot of the you know a lot of the reports out of the alternate site were a lot of scouts just raving about what Jonathan India brings to the table, how much better he looked even last season when they weren't real games, but, you know, he's getting these at-bats at these alternate site, um, you know, exhibition games or what. I don't even know what, what they do, <laughs> but... Against big league pitching, against big league caliber pitching yeah, at least. Sure, yes, yes, uh, against, against big league pitching. Um, and you know, it, it, it sounds like from what we saw there that he really did impress and, you know, has get, been given the opportunity to, you know, potentially make this team at spring training and has making them, you know, taken the opportunity and made the most of it. And, um, you know, I, it seems like he's going to make the team and that's, I think that's something that. Yeah, I think the Reds have not done, obviously, with Nick Senzel being the biggest kind of red flag there. I think I think maybe the Reds maybe learned their lesson a little bit with Nick Senzel. And, um, you know, I know that that 
that situation when it when it happened. Um, there were some reports that it kind of rubbed him the wrong way, just because of you know how he was being treated by the organization. And um, you know, it's, it's hey, if if they can do right by Jonathan India and they can, you know, commit to him and let him be the starter there, and you know, I I think that it's a it's a good thing for the Reds. And obviously, I I think when we talk about when we talk about prospects in spring training, it really comes down to them having to kind of force the team's hand. And that is really what this is. That is what Jonathan India was able to do and what was able to show to David Bell and to, you know, the front office that, Hey, I'm ready to be the guy every day. It's, you know, at the big league level, put me where, wherever you want me, because, you know, obviously he can play second. He can play third. Um, yeah. For some reason, I guess he can't play short. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you play everywhere else in the infield. Um, but and the, you know, and let's, uh, let's let's be fair here. The only time this ever really "quote unquote" burns the Reds in a long term view is if Jonathan India is so damn good that at age thirty you wish you still had him for age thirty one. You know, like that's right. And, but, and, and, and if that's the case, that's an awesome development for the Reds because that means that he's good. Like, right? You, you and, figure it out down the road and you pay him when you can. You know, and yeah, and that and and in that case, you've done what you can to give him the chances, and you're being a good organization, you know, with him. And hopefully, if he's that good, you can extend him before that. And exactly, you know, yeah. you can have him for years to come, and. You know, that's I, I, you know, I obviously can't tell the future, but I don't see that happening with Nick Senzel. Like, I, I feel like that they they kind of they probably burn that bridge with him. And, no. uh, you know, even if even if there's an opportunity to, you know, for for Nick Senzel to do and do an extension with the Reds down the road. And after he has a couple of more, you know, good seasons under his belt. You know, I, I don't see why he would do that, you know, considering the Reds didn't commit to him and didn't, you know, didn't really do things the right way to, to at the beginning of his big league career. So it's I, I think it's it's a huge step to relevance for the Reds to be able to do this with Jonathan India and be like, hey, you earned this spot on the big league roster you're you've earned your starting job in Cincinnati, you know, now run. do now do. Yeah. Run with it. Exactly. Run with it. Yeah. Do, do what you can. Right. And like, yeah. Hey, we're, we're going to, we're going to make this investment in you, you know, Hey, go ahead and you know, show us that we know what we're doing and show us that we know what we're talking about when we, when we put you on the roster and don't manipulate your service time. <laughs> you know, the, the one thing that I think, solves all of that at least more often than not 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 all the time we've seen in the news that the astros only offered carlos correa 120 million dollars uh that looks like that's not going to work but the one thing that really does make a lot of this make a lot more sense is if they just fucking win some baseball games for just just fucking win some baseball games win some win some april baseball games just put yourself in the argument be a legitimate one of the 30 baseball franchises and don't just hang your hat on the fact that you're one of the 30 baseball franchises. 
go win some fucking games, start it in April, and show the the investment in Kyle Bodie and driveline and to leaning into high spin rates into high velocities and not the back of baseball cards and yada, yada, all that stuff. Make it work. You know, if it works, I mean, when it comes everything will sort itself out down the road. Right. (laughs) Right. (laughs) You know, when it, when it comes down to it, when you have the uh, like really what this season is going to come down to is, you know, it's put up or shut up time for David Bell. It's put up or shut up time for Nick Crawl and you know to and a lesser senior, extent Kyle Bodie, senior, even though he hasn't been here that long. But senior know, advisor Walt Jockety is still senior advisor Walt yeah, Jockety. Like, right? But, it's like you know you these you know these moves and these these advances that they're making have been you know lip service up to this point. You got to win some ball games, and you know I, I don't. I, I tend to think that, you know, David Bell's kind of, I don't know. I don't want to say he's on the hot seat quite yet, but you know, Hey, if, if they come out on a three and 18 start, like Brian Price did, um, they're going to make a change there because or, uh, they, or they should make a change there. I don't know if they would, but you know, it's, uh, yeah, it's, I, I think we're getting to the point where when you have the roster that he's had and when you have, the the situation that you know obviously last season was weird because of covid but the reds on paper last year were the should have been the best team in the nl central should have been they, yeah you know and hey they you you need to do some damage with that roster if you're david bell and the the stuff that you know obviously there's a lot out of his control but you know, when it comes down to it, the record's all that matters, right? And that's all that he's going to be judged on um, at the at the end of the day. So it's I, I I think that it's time for that to start to turn, or else Bob Castellini is going to have to have a decision to make. You almost well, you almost wish you could make a decision about Bob Castellini on the other <laughs> end, you know, Grammy. Uh, Greg, Greg, you got any final thoughts on this? <laughs> well, yeah. Can can we release Bob Castellini? Uh, <laughs> no. no the, what I was going to say was like, as how, far how as many the, how many options does Bob Castellini have? Send, send, yeah, send, send him to the alternate site. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, the, the the thought that I had about India and like the service time manipulation or whatever, like, so you know when they did it with Sinzel, and of course you know it's, it's to get that extra year on the back end, right? Like six years from now, or you know less than that at this point, but. Uh, with India, like bringing them up, but, but it may be a, cal- a, a calculation for them as far as, you know, they're looking around at the roster and like if India is the best, uh, I won't say best second baseman, but the best infielder um, that they've got to like kind of shuffle these guys around. It's because, you know, uh, Joey Votto is not going to be here forever. Um uh, Mike Moustakas is not going to be here forever. You know, Ahuayo Suarez isn't going to be here forever. Nick Castellanos isn't going to be here forever. Like Jesse Winker is already almost like twenty eight years old. Um, Jose Garcia got his shot and didn't didn't take it. You know, like yeah. it's it next guy up, right? Yeah, and 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 so like you guys were saying, we win some fucking games. Well, you know, <laughs> if India kind of you know shuffling around the infield and India gives them the best shot to win some games. Like, uh, you know, uh, Luis Castillo is going to cost several hundred million dollars here pretty soon. Like, Sonny Gray is going to be on his way out of town pretty soon, probably. 
Um, there's some younger pitchers, I think, that, that you know, uh, Nick Lodolo and uh, Hunter Green, obviously, are coming up, and that hopefully they're going to be good whenever they come up for the six or seven years that they come up. But, like, Tucker Barnard's on his way out of town pretty soon. Um, the window is if they, if there is a window and I'm not even, I'm not entirely sure that there is, but if there is, it's now it's, it's this year, it's next year. Um, we'll worry Last about year. six years from now, six years from now. Right. Like you can cut uh, costs a yeah. lot of other places than Jonathan India's seventh would be year. If things don't go right this year, right. <laughs> you know? Right. And if, if, and if you can't afford to cut those costs, then you shouldn't own a baseball team. That's all exactly. Yeah. No, that's well, the- and if the Reds had like this like genuine pipeline of you know, like when Joey Votto retires and you know, no nobody's replacing Joey Votto, right? But like when Joey Votto retires, like, oh, we've got a first baseman, here we go. Uh, or if they were willing to spend on, you know, Paul Goldschmidt, uh, from you know, the Cardinals doing it a couple of years ago, then here we go. Or if they had just this pipeline of like players, like, okay, like we signed Mike Mustakis just because we're waiting on, you know, the, the next Javier Baez or whatever coming up. Uh, here we go. Like, we're going to do that. He's going to leave in three years. We're just going to plug him in. He's going to be the next guy. They don't have that. Like I said, I think they have some pitchers that are promising coming up through the, through the prospects. And I mean, I like Hendricks and everything, but he's like 12 years old. So like, it's going to be a second <laughs> before that happens. So like I said, we'll, we'll worry about six years from now, six years from now, they made these moves last year and then didn't make any moves this year, but that's not here nor there for this discussion. They made those moves last year with the window being, we've got these guys, let's do it. So if any gives you the best, you know, shot to win some games. Let's win some fucking games. Yeah. Let's win some fucking games. That's, that's, uh, that's this episode that of the podcast. That should be our motto. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Road Reporter Podcast 2021 episode, whatever the hell this is, win some fucking games. Um, yeah. Well, for BK, for Grimy, um, thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, opening day again. It's coming up. It's, it's what, four and a half, five days away. Uh, we'll have a lot of coverage over at the website blog at uh, redreporter.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Red Reporter. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a weird spot to be in for Reds fans right now. Uh, from the 2013 to 2018 rebuild, uh, the gradual grind out of the rebuild and the big freeze and splash a year ago, the entire nothing of this offseason – Yet still here we are a couple days away and there's enough reasons to be optimistic about this club that it's intriguing. It'll be frustrating, but it's intriguing. It will be there for every step of the way. So uh, like and subscribe. You can find us on SoundCloud. Who am I kidding? If you're listening to us 58 minutes of this day of episode, you found us somewhere. Um, Read our shit. Read read (laughs) redreporter.com. There's some good work there, I assure you. Uh, laugh at our jokes at Red Reporter on Twitter. And uh, for BK and for Grimey, we will see you guys uh, this time next week where we will have official uh, regular season Reds baseball in the book. So uh, I'm Wick, and we'll see you next time.